Lord kind of laid this topic on my heart last week, and uh, you say, aren't you supposed to prepare longer than that, than, than a week? Um, for, I guess, maybe so. Um, sometimes you, you wait until the Lord moves, and Pastor, obviously by far more experience, I think he's probably preached messages that he got, you know, just a few hours before, um, scratched some things down. I, uh, over the years, I, I can imagine... Um, I'm not saying that's what he does for every sermon. I know he puts a lot of effort into it, but sometimes God just speaks to your heart, and you just have to you just have to talk about it. It's like our theme this year, right? Um, and God laid on my heart this idea of hope. Um, you know, we live in a very negative world. We live in a very negative day. Uh, really, any news outlets that you might use uh, focus a lot of times on the negative news, and for some reason, it's what people want to hear. Um, I don't know why, why we delight so much in the negative things. Uh, you know, we're, we're surrounded by it. It may be that you only watch, you know, the nightly news. It used to be a thing. I don't know if that's still a thing, the nightly news, 5 o'clock news, 6 o'clock news, 7 o'clock news, 10 o'clock news. Um, you know, now you can get it all day long if that's, if that's really what you're interested in is that constant feed uh, of news. And a lot of it zeroes in on, on negative things. Um, thankfully, there are a lot of good things that, that come up. And um, we're thankful for, for the good things that we see in the news. Uh, how about in the Bible? We see a lot of negative things, don't we? Like a lot of negative type, we might say, news information. Uh, but don't miss the good news throughout the scriptures. Um, the, the Bible starts with good news. And you know what? The Bible finishes with good news. And there's a lot of good news sprinkled in and poured in and dumped in all throughout it. And so let's not focus on the negative things, but focus on, on the good news. Of course, we know that the good news is the gospel. And the gospel changed our lives uh, and, and will change the lives of, of family members and co-workers. will bring hope to, to the lost and to those around us. The reality is that we could be in great despair if we allow our eyes and minds uh, to stay focused on the negative. And um, I want to encourage you tonight that from the very fall of man in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15, God brought hope. Yes, they could have been in great despair. They were losing their home there in the Garden of Eden. They were losing that opportunity to enjoy fellowship with the Lord. But God didn't leave them without hope. That one day that promised seed would come. They didn't know who it was. They didn't know when it would be. They didn't know what all had to happen between that time and the time that he came. But you know what? He came. And I'm thankful that the seed of the woman there, the virgin birth, the Lord Jesus Christ, born to Mary, conceived by the Holy Ghost, by God's Spirit within her, came to redeem our fallen world. But there was that hope talked about uh, within the garden. Um, Dr. Neil Anderson wrote in his book, Victory Over the Darkness, Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is the present assurance of some future good. Hope is the parent of faith. Because nobody steps out in faith if there is no hope. Life with God is an endless, endless hope, but life without God is a hopeless end. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance has to do with a, a setting under or a, a support, something that it brings confidence. I'm thankful tonight that as we sit here, you know, they're, we're kind of above the ground level. If you understand, you came up the stairs. You're sitting on a floor tonight that is supported. Thankfully, it's supported. Now, if we took the supports out, I think we could just imagine what would happen, but we're thankful for support. 
The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. You get the idea that faith is not blind? Yes, faith is in the unseen, but it's not blind. We act upon faith because we have hope. And as I was thinking and preparing for this message, um, sometimes God just kind of confirms with you what he's talking to you about on a given day. And I've talked about it many times in RU, how God hits something in the morning, and then throughout the day he'll revisit that with you. And so yesterday when I was preparing, um, I had already written most of my sermon, and, and this missions magazine came in the mail, and uh, it had the word on the front of it, hope. I thought, oh, well, that's an encouragement. Uh, so then this morning, the pastor had recommended a book to me. He had no idea what, what I was preaching on tonight, and um, he didn't even remember what the title of the book was, um, but you might not be able to read this one, but it said hope on the front. And then tonight when we went into pastor's office uh, to pray, uh, I found this sign, and it says, Hope uh, is an anchor for the soul. And obviously that's, you know, our church. Our church is anchored in Jesus, and that anchor, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, is our hope. So as believers in this lost and wicked world in which we live, we have hope. Regardless, Regardless of how things are going in our world, regardless of the wars that are going on, regardless of the financial despair that is going on. We have hope because we don't hope in the things of this world. We don't hope in man, but we hope in Jesus Christ. We won't look at it, but John chapter 9, verses 1 to 11, tell the story of a, a blind man where Jesus came and he, he, uh, he spit on the ground, made some clay out of that dirt, and placed it on the eyes of a, a blind man. You say, man, should sell that. You know, blind people, I, I, I got the healing power for you. You can make all the clay that you want and stick it on. I'm not trying to be a mocker here and stick it on somebody's eyes that they're blind and it's not going to help. You understand tonight that that clay was not needed for the healing. But then that man was told by Jesus to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That was an act of faith on his part. It was an act of obedience. But do you realize that clay on that man's eyes, I don't think that he believed the clay was going to heal his eyes. He believed that the master was going to heal his eyes. So he took off to that pool and he washed in the pool of Siloam. And as that clay came off, the man was able to see. I don't know if he had ever seen. I can't remember that part of the story. Sorry, you can look it up. John chapter 9. But he was able to see. He acted upon hope that he had in the one that was able to heal and walked in faith to experience the healing of the Lord Jesus on his life. Kind of like what happened for the Turners today in Uganda. Had some problems with their car and uh, they performed the African healing method upon it. Uh, took some dirt and took some super glue and they fixed the car. Uh, so I guess that's the way the mechanics work in Africa. Uh, so praise the Lord for that. It's kind of like Jesus spitting in the clay, I guess. Uh, I don't think he healed the car, but he got it working anyways. Let me just ask you tonight, would you get on an airplane if you were told before boarding that plane that that plane would crash at some point in the flight, would you get on the airplane? No. You say, that's a no-brainer. If, if I knew that, I would not get on the plane. Why? Because there's no hope of your arrival. There's no hope that you will get to where you are set out to get to. You could say, well, you, could you drop me off before that point? But why do we get on an airplane normally? We have hope of arrival because of our past experiences, because of the experience of others. Getting on an airplane requires a lot of faith. 
You ever seen how far up the airplanes go and you know how small everything looks? And how, you know, you're flying in that plane and it's just a small little, uh, you know, part of the plane below you. I I know there's luggage underneath there, but you think about it. You're way above the ground and you're just sitting there and you're cruising along. What happens if this thing falls apart? Now, I'm not trying to freak you out, you know, if you're going to fly, but there's a lot of faith. And it's faith based upon hope, hope that is based upon experience. And so we find hope in our experience with God. I find hope amidst the negative news of the current world and in God's word because I know God is always good. And I know that he is love. There are some things that we need to know about God. If you could say, well, I can only name three attributes of God, I challenge you to learn many more. If you could say, well, I know two of God's names, I challenge you and encourage you to learn more of those names. Know about your God. Just to say, well, he is God. You know what? That's sufficient. But until you really get in and study out what he has done, who he is, you will not experience the hope that God can bring to you in your life in this world of darkness. I was thinking of a song yesterday, My Hope is in the Lord. It goes like this, My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price for all my sin at Calvary. No merit of my own, his anger to suppress. My only hope is found in Jesus' righteousness. And now for me he stands before the Father's throne. He shows his wounded hands and names me as his own. His grace has planned it all. Tis mine but to believe and recognize his work of love and Christ receive. For me he died, for me he lives. And everlasting life and light he freely gives. The truths of this song never change. No matter what Satan or our emotions tell us, the truth never changes. I am God's child regardless of what I do. No man can pluck me out of my Father's hand. I am secure in His hand. We've been talking about in RU about believing the truth. We learned that the truth makes us free, but it's important that we believe the truth. Satan can cause us to believe lies about the truth. And we miss the opportunity to know that that security that Christ brings to us when we believe the truth. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1.12, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded or convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul's hope was found in God, not in how great his belief was, not in what he had committed, And not even in the day that he speaks about there. His hope was in God. He said, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. In the book of Lamentations, we see Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, writing of his burden or heaviness regarding the situation he and his people were facing. We see a brokenness about Jeremiah to the point of shedding great tears You can find it in chapter 2 and verse number 11 where he speaks about it. And you also see it in chapter 3, verse number 48 to verse 49. We see the tears that are being shed. It seemed to him as if God was done with his chosen people. Yet God brought him to a place of hope. Aren't you glad that God hasn't given up on you tonight? You're obviously still here. You're still breathing. 
God has a work for you to do. And God has a work that he's going to do in you in order to do a work through you. God isn't done with us. Yet at times, God must break us. At points, he has to bring us to the place of being broken or even crushed in order to bring us back to him in a revived and a renewed relationship with him. should never be satisfied with where your relationship with, with God is. Always desire to get closer. Draw nigh. Draw nigh. Draw closer to God, and he will draw closer to you. It's a constant pursuit. A.W. Tozer wrote the book called The Pursuit of God. It's a life's pursuit. We pursue a lot of other things in life, but may I challenge you to pursue God, to pursue the knowledge of Him, to pursue the personal relationship with Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus. Isaiah 57, verse 15. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite or crushed and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. We find later on in the book of Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2, the second part of the verse, But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. We think about this thought tonight about being broken, but not being in despair. To be in despair is in the sense of having no hope. We are not hopeless tonight. We have hope. The Bible is based upon hope. Our church is based upon hope, the anchor of our soul, the the Lord Jesus Christ. Very quickly tonight, I want to give you three points. The first two, I'm going to try and make them very quick. I don't expect you to write everything down. We're going to kind of cruise through it and lock in on point number three. Number one, Jeremiah wept for his people. Jeremiah wept for his people. Chapter one, we see, first of all, that he considered what Jerusalem and Judah once were. You can see it in verses one of chapter one. So the very first verse of Lamentations chapter one, it says, How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow, she that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces? How has she become tributary? He considered what Jerusalem and what what the, the region of Judah once were, that they were once full of people, that they were great among the nations, recognized as a powerful nation, a powerful land. They were once the princess or a picture of royalty among the provinces. And yet we find that, secondly, he spoke of what Jerusalem and Judah had become, what they once were, but now what they had become. In verse 1, he speaks to the comparison to a widow. Now, the picture that we can kind of get from this quite possibly is a picture of of loneliness or or having no protection. Uh, We also see that they become tributaries or they were slaves. And this is where I'm going to kind of speed things up. They were under affliction, verse number 3. They were servants. They were dwelling among the heathen rather than in their own land. There was no rest. The children were in captivity, verse 5. Verse 6, the beauty had departed. So he considered what they once were. He, he thought about or he spoke of what Jerusalem and Judah had become. But then he thought on the root cause of their bondage. Look in verse number 8. It says in verse 8, Jerusalem hath grievously sinned 
Therefore she is removed. All that honor her despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she sigheth and turneth backward. We see the result of sin always brings, really, the curse of God upon our life. We want God's blessing. Pursue him in obedience to his word. Uh, He saw, nextly, the hand of God against them. He saw the hand of God against them in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We see the cloud of of God's anger over them. In verse number 2, we see the strongholds of their protection had been been thrown down. Verse number 3, we see the the horn being cut off. In in the scriptures, that horn refers to the strength, or it's a symbol of power, that their strength had been cut off. Verses 4 to 5, we see that God's right hand was drawn back as with a bow, as an enemy pursuing them. In verse number 6, we see that he had took away the tabernacle. In verse 7, he had cast off the altar. He abhorred even his sanctuary. In verse number 8, he destroyed their wall. So we see he considered what they once were. He, can, he spoke of what they had become. He thought on the root cause of their bondage. He saw the hand of God against them. And he witnessed the shame of the people. He witnessed the shame of the people. Look in verse number uh, 11. It says, All her people sigh. They seek bread. They have given their pleasant things for meat to relieve the soul. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am become vile. In verse number 14, we see that there was no hope. Sorry, this is chapter 2. I just read the wrong verse. Chapter 2, verse 11. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people, because the children and the sucklings swoon in the streets of the city. And then in verse 14, we see that the prophets, uh, there is no hope in the false prophets. It says that they have not discovered thine iniquity to turn away thy captivity. In verse number 15, we see that the people were a mockery. In verse number 16, their enemies rejoiced at their destruction. In verse number 17, they had gone the way that God had warned them about. And you can look at this for further study on your own in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 14 to 39. And you can see the warning of how God said, If you will not obey, I will turn against you. And you know, honestly, the worst thing you could ever want in your life is for God to be against you. You say, well, God's on my side. The reality is the question is, are you on his side? God fights for you when you are on his side, when you are doing what, he to- what he's told us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you want the blessing, upon, uh, blessing of God upon your life, then keep his word. Unfortunately, these people ha- had lost sight of obedience and had fallen in such a, a terrible state. So we see, first of all, Jeremiah wept for his people, but secondly, Jeremiah was broken in his own life. Jeremiah was broken in his own life. You know, we look at our country of Canada, and we say it's in a pretty sad condition right now. The way policies are going, the way ideas are going, and laws are being written, and laws are being discussed, bills are being discussed that could take away freedom to preach certain things here from the pulpit, and various things that try to rob you as a parent of your ability to raise your own children the way that you believe God would direct you to raise them. But don't overlook the fact that God says, I want to deal with you, with me. 
Yes, we need to pray for our country, but please understand that revival in our country will never come until there's, first of all, revival in your heart. It starts with the repentance of God's people. The judgment must first come upon the house of God. And so if we want to experience revival in this country, let God bring a revival in your heart. And the key to revival is repentance. Jeremiah came to a place of his own brokenness. Firstly, underneath this, Jeremiah had his own personal points of despair. He had his own personal points of despair. We see in verse number 1 of chapter 3, verse number 1 of chapter 3, he speaks of his affliction. He says, I am the man that had seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. And Jeremiah continues to talk about what was going on in verse 2. Again, I'm going to speed through this. Verse 2, darkness, darkness. Verse 3. They had been turned against, that, that, that God had, had turned against them. Verse number 4, his flesh had aged, his bones were broken. Verse number 5, he was surrounded with gall or some type of a, a poison or poisonous plant. He was in travail or, or trouble. In verse 6, he speaks of those dark places. In verse 8, his prayer had shut, been shut out. In verse number 9, his paths had been blocked. In verse 11, he had been pulled in pieces. In verse number 12, he had become the target of God's arrow. In verse number 14, he had become the laughingstock of the people around him. In verse number 15, he was filled with bitterness. In verse number 16, his teeth were broken. In verse number 17, there was no peace. And in verse number 18, strength and ho- his strength and hope had perished. You say, wow, what a pretty sad situation Jeremiah was in and and God's people were in. Yes, it was truly a sad situation that he was facing. Jeremiah was in a very rough condition. But I want to say nextly tonight underneath this that the power of our mind is overwhelming. The power of our mind is overwhelming. While many of these things may have been true, many of the things that Jeremiah was saying may have been exaggerated. Many of the things were were possibly true, but many of them were possibly being exaggerated. When we think about the idea that he had been pulled in pieces, or the idea that his bones were broken, some of these things quite possibly, I don't know that his teeth were all broken, but the reality is sometimes when we get in despair, we begin to over-exaggerate our situation. And we need to be careful to make sure that our hope is always pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. At times, we need medical attention. We need physical help, physical assistance. But at times, we need to run to the Lord. He is the great physician. He is our Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. And so we turn to him. Um, In all of these things, Jeremiah was voicing, was speaking about, Jeremiah was voicing what he felt in his soul. Our mind, will, and our emotions. Jeremiah was voicing what he felt in his soul. May I encourage you to voice your emotions, your soul, to the Lord? Don't be afraid to voice your soul to God. Say, what does that mean? You see, there are things in our lives that we tend to hold inside. Bitterness, anger, disappointment, fear worry, 
We hold those things and we think, well, a lot of these things are, are wrong for me to be thinking, wrong, to me, wrong for me to be feeling. And so we hold them inside. But God says, speak them to me. Don't be afraid to speak your soul to God. Now, I'm not saying that you stand here in this church in front of everybody and speak out your soul. We don't need to necessarily hear about it. Now, there may be a time where you come alongside of a, a close friend and this is what the church is for. We pour out our soul to, to, to one another in a more personal, intimate type way. It's important to, to, get, to get close with some of us within the church, but we don't stand up here in a way to broadcast the issues because, in a sense, we're glorifying in ourselves in that. And the ultimate desire of pouring out our soul before God is for God to help us and for us to find that hope. Dr. Ant Neil Anderson said that our emotions are to our soul, What my ability to feel is to my body. Emotions tell us that something is wrong and we need to turn to God. If you could say, if I could never feel pain, I would love it. The reality is that's not a good thing. Pain is a good thing. To feel pain is a good thing. If you burn your hand and lose the sense of nerves in your hand, do you realize you can still burn your hand again, but you won't know it? You put your hand on a stove and you sear your hand and you can't feel it in those nerves anymore. You could put your hand on that stove again and never feel it. But the reality is you're burning your hand. And so pain is a good thing. Please understand, God created you with emotions. God created you with a soul. And don't miss the point that when it's in your heart, when, you're, when you've got to cry out, turn to the Lord. The soul tells us when something is going on. Our emotions tell us when something is going wrong. Uh, To run to God. Hope is the anchor of our soul. When we meditate on the things of God, when we think over and over again on something, depending on what it is, we will begin to believe its truth, leading us to potentially act upon it. It may lead us to a hole of, uh, of great despair or depression or into happiness joy and peace, depending on what we're thinking about. And so our thoughts are a huge part of the success in our life. The Bible says that we are to meditate in God's word day and night. Joshua was told in the day that he would would follow that command to, to, to meditate on God's word day and night, that he would be successful. And so success is found when we, when we are meditating, when we are dwelling upon the things of the Lord and the things of his word. So we see lastly tonight, the last point here, Jeremiah was reminded of his hope in God. Jeremiah was reminded of his hope in God. Look with me in chapter 3, where we read at the beginning, verse number 19. It says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Underneath this, first of all, Jeremiah's transforming moment started in his mind. Jeremiah's transforming moment started in his mind. Look what he says, remembering my affliction and my misery. Look, these things weren't going away. But we find here that he recalls to his mind and brings hope. He still had those despairing thoughts, yet he recalled truth to his mind. You see, when I wonder if God still loves me, I can sing this song, My hope is in the Lord, who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. Why would you question if God loves you if he did that for you? 
If he sent his son to die for you, if he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, why would we think that God would ever stop loving us? Because we believe lies. And so when we let the truth get back into our mind, when we recall what Jeremiah recalled, he said, then I had hope. When I recalled what was true, yes, I know God is working against me, but it's for my good to to return to him. God doesn't delight in, in chastening his children. He delights in a child that is following closely with him. And that is his ultimate intention. Hope came as a result to Jeremiah of his thinking on the goodness of God. We see also tonight that we find hope, we can find hope in the darkness. How can I personally find hope in the darkness? Number one, humility is required. Humility is required. Verse 19, remembering mine affliction. And verse 20, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. My soul still hath them in remembrance and is humbled in me. James said in James 4.10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You can know that God has a purpose in each difficult moment that we face. Look with me in verse 32 of Lamentations chapter 3. For though he caused grief, verse 32, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of the mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High. Look with me in verse number 40. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Understanding that if God is allowing this difficult circumstance, it may not because of sin, it may be that God wants to draw me closer to him. And may we not miss it. You see, Job never, as far as we know, Job never heard about what was going on in that discussion that took place in heaven between Satan and God. When God said, have you considered my servant Job? If only Job knew about that conversation. God, you put him up to this. But in the end, Job got to learn about the greatness of God. I don't, I'm guessing in heaven he found out what, what happened about that conversation. Of course, in heaven you don't get angry, so you, you live with it. But he got to learn about the goodness of God. And sometimes we turn and look at the issue and say, I'm not doing anything wrong. Why am I facing this? God, I'm already serving you. What more do you want? God says, I want you to be closer to me. God doesn't delight in chastening his children. But you know what? He delights in drawing us closer. Humility is required. Number two, renewal or changing of our mind is required. Renewal or changing of our mind is required. We said that that Jeremiah recalled to his mind, and that's when he had the hope. He recalled to his mind of the goodness of God. And it's why I say to you, learn about the goodness of God. Learn about the names of God. Learn about the attributes of God. Because when Satan comes with his attacks, you've got a long list, and you say, Satan, if you want to stick around, I'll read them all to you. Eventually, he's going to take off because he has no interest in hearing them. And so if we understand what what God has done in our life, what God has made us to be, we return to the Lord, we allow that mind to be changed. Look, we can have light, we can have hope in the darkness. Believe what you know is true, and it does not change. Read it over and over and over again, if you need to. Think about it again and again. So we see the renewal or the changing of our mind is required within this. Focus your mind, focus your mind on the goodness of God. 
Focus your mind on the goodness of God. In verse 22, he says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The hope that, you know what? God is merciful. Remember that he is merciful. Look, I'm still here. God's mercy has endured to my generation. I don't deserve it, but it's endured. I'm thankful that I have God's mercy. Remember, he is compassionate, that he loves me. Remember, his mercies and compassions are renewed every day. I don't think this is so much God being replenished as it is me. I don't think God's mercies, you know, run low and he's got to go get a refill. God's mercy is consistent. But you know what? Every day I need those new mercies that God has in store for me. I need that, that, uh, that consistent compassion that I'm reminded about daily. Number four, enjoy every new day. Enjoy every new day. Regardless of what's in store for that day, enjoy the day that God has for you. Number five, remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. The verse that we so often use, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The word hope appears in several verses here in verse 21, in verse 24, and verse 26. Nestled in within this book of crying aloud, weeping, weeping over a country, or a, uh, your, his fellow citizens, weeping over God's people, weeping over the things in his own life. When was the last time you poured your heart out to the Lord? You got on your knees, you got on your face before God, and you poured out your soul. You said, I don't want people to hear me. And go find a place where you can. There's plenty of mountains over here. I'm not saying you need to go to mountains every morning for your devotions, but maybe once in a while. Go out and pour out, pour out your heart before God. Why do you think we have the Psalms that we do? Because David spent time under the stars. He spent time under the, the, the heavens and took time to pour out his soul before God. You say that was inspired by God. Yes, you're right, but it was written by David. Poured out his heart, poured out his soul. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That there is evidence we won't look at it for time's sake, but write down Ephesians 6.17 and 1 Thessalonians 5.8. Ephesians 6.17 and 1 Thessalonians 5.8. We learn in there that we are to put on our helmet of salvation. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, we learn that that helmet of salvation is representing hope. Our salvation brings hope. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it talks about the breastplate of faith and the helmet of salvation. But what I say to you tonight is put on your helmet of hope. Your helmet of hope. It's interesting that it goes on our head. You know, we think. Our mind. God says put on that helmet of salvation. The helmet which is your hope. Yes, there's a lot of negative going on today. But don't forget. God may be breaking us to bring us closer to Him. Don't be in despair. Remember, we have hope. Jeremiah said there's a lot I can cry about. And he's cried his eyes out, but he says, This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope, because my hope is in God. In our world filled with darkness, horrific news reports, broken marriages and homes, corrupt leadership, 
and so much more. There is hope. There is hope. Our hope is in the Lord. As Jeremiah recalled this truth to his mind, we must as well. God is good. Jesus is called the faithful and true. You can find that in the book of Revelation. Won't you look to him today? He is our hope. In the darkest of times, remember, God is our hope. When you think about Anchor Baptist Church, think about Hebrews 6.19, the anchor for our soul, that hope that we have, the anchor for our soul. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior. I encourage you tonight that you will not find the answers in this world. Your only hope is to turn to Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. You know what? He'll save you tonight if you will. Allow God to bring you to a place of brokenness. But let him use it to turn you to him with a revived and a restored hope. A strengthened walk with him. We can have hope. We've got to know where it is. And it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight.